0: Listening to Show Me the Honey, where we talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things in life and business.
1: I am your co host, Liv Carly, a holistic therapist who supports individuals to develop somatic intelligence as a form of authentic self care and empowerment.
0: I'm your co host, Natalia, and I'm a web designer and course creator, helping you do
1: more good whilst doing less work. Together, we are the founders of Show Me the Honey. A community that shares the sweet side of life and business. Before we begin today's episode, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded. We recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and communities. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders past, present and emerging. hello it's so good to have you here welcome to the podcast hello hello a familiar face
2: a familiar face a very familiar face
1: (laughs) yeah or for those that are listening maybe a not so familiar voice but maybe by the end of this they'll be much more familiar with who you are
2: (laughs) yeah for sure thanks for having me guys
1: yeah well it's
0: very exciting to have you seeing as we both know you and we've seen uh, your sort of business journey as well, the the evolution mm-hmm. of, um, you know, what you've transitioned through and even just to have you as a Hive member as well is really exciting. Yeah. So it should yeah. be a good conversation, I reckon.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it's really amazing that we get to do this all together and to have both of your support is the best. So I'm very grateful.
1: <laughs> no, so good. Yeah, I actually... Um, was just reflecting on how I've had the absolute joy of witnessing you in a very small portion of your journey. We haven't known each other for too long, but just the evolution that you've made in your life and the way that you're showing up in your business and how you're showing up for your community is beyond inspiring. Um, And Yeah. yeah, just... We've had lots of beautiful conversations around the practice that you offer, which at the moment is Reiki, um, and that's evolving currently. I know that. Uh, mm-hmm. But for those that are listening, uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit about what it is that you do and, you know, how you would define Reiki And what it means for you as a practitioner sharing this work with the world at the moment.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so I am a Reiki practitioner. I'm also a registered nurse and a dancer. And yeah, it came about Reiki maybe a few years ago when I hit this place in nursing where I just started asking questions. And I started challenging the kind of treatment and the kind of way that we were giving treatment to patients Mm. and just healthcare in general and how it operated. And, you know, I could see all these gaps um, in nutrition and energy and emotion in like holistic healthcare in addressing the person spiritually and emotionally that I wasn't getting answers for um, by the healthcare system. And so I started looking elsewhere. And when I looked elsewhere, I um, arrived at Reiki just because it was such a beautiful, simple practice. And also at the time, I was like, great, I can become a Reiki practitioner in like two weekends. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, cool, like, let me do it. Let me just start somewhere because, um, Mm. yeah, I was looking to, yeah, I was just looking for answers outside of the healthcare system. And so, yeah, I think back in 2019, I did my Reiki level one, um, which started practicing on myself and started like putting in um, to my life those practices. And then a year later, I did my Reiki level two, which is when I started um, practicing on other people. And yeah, so Reiki, for those who don't know, is a modality of Japanese energy healing. It was founded in the early 1900s by a Mikao Usui. Um, it then kind of a student of a student took it to Hawaii, and that's where its integration and spread around the West sort of began. Mm. Um, the main two purposes of Reiki is to clear the body, clear the energy, energetic body, and also to cultivate energy, so to cultivate uh, chi or life force energy or a ki in um, Japanese. And yeah. It's just been a bit of a journey lately, I think, as I've been practicing now on other people. Um, yeah, I just sort of hit like a a bit of a stump in it where mm-hmm. my body wasn't reacting to it in the same way that I had been reacting to it um and responding to it. And I started questioning like, why am I even doing this? Like, whose practice is this? Mm. And um yeah is it for me to practice um yeah so I started asking questions I started diving into the history of the practice and yeah since then I have really I'm still in the process of just fine-tuning it and making sure and learning and unlearning and um yeah getting really clear on what I'm offering and how I'm offering it yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting, like for me personally, being around people such as yourself and live as well, and the work that you do, it's, you know, it's not sort of my zone of expertise at all, but it's just so interesting what I learn from you guys, and to see your journey, like you shared, of how you're really like diving into it, is it's really inspiring, because I, I get to learn that as well through what it is that you do. Um, and it's a it's really interesting, I think um, your journey, particularly transitioning from, uh, you know, sort of like Western medicine, um, being a nurse and tra- transitioning into more of this like Eastern uh, medicine and this, these practices. Uh, so I I'd, I'd wonder sort of, has your view of health changed throughout that transition? Um, and sort of like what did it used to be and sort of how is it now if it has
2: changed? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, for me, I think <laughs> I've been journeying, I've been going through all this journey recently and how I've kind of mm. transitioned from west to east, but I feel like growing up Chinese in Australia, I've actually transitioned from East to West and now yeah. back to East. <laughs> so, yeah, a full circle. Like, totally, 100%. Yeah. So growing up Asian in Australia is, yeah, just a really nuanced and um, very complicated journey. Um, I remember, yeah, being young and being one of the most like one of the only Asian kids in my school. And Um, just really rejecting my identity and really rejecting my culture and Mm. really finding it hard to find where I fit in. And I think obviously, like as children, you want to belong and you want safety and you want um, community and you want to be accepted. So you sacrifice your identity in order to do that. Mm. And so, yeah, like I remember just um you know asking my parents not to like pack me rice for lunch or even you know saying things like why aren't we white you know because I didn't understand that mm. um yeah that I didn't couldn't understand why I looked different to everyone else mm. and um yeah and so I just spent like majority of my life just rejecting a lot of it and then yeah, I thought my dad's an optometrist. And so I thought that this Western way of healthcare was the superior way, I guess, um, because, you know, we're taught that like evidence-based medicine is um, the best and, you know, research and all of this stuff is and, like peer-reviewed journals and stuff that is the best, most reliable source of information. And so that was just what I was conditioned to believe and know. So I went into nursing with that mindset, with this sort of approach to health and to healthcare, care. Um, and, yeah, it's been a pretty amazing journey um, connecting back with my roots and healing that as part of my, myself because I, mm-hmm. um, yeah, as growing up, like my mom used to make a lot of soups and we used to treat, like, food as medicine. And so things were either, like, heady or cold or, like, warm or dry or damp or that sort of thing and so yeah when once I started asking questions and questioning the healthcare system in which I was operating in I realized that a lot of the gaps that were fill uh the gaps in answers that I was looking for were already kind of within me Mm
1: -hmm. um
2: based on yeah what I was taught and exposed to as a kid I went back to Hong Kong a lot um And my grandparents were always into, you know, they were always like, put socks on your feet and like, keep your kidneys warm and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, and all of that makes sense now, because what's missing, I feel, in the Western healthcare system is this concept of chi and this concept of vitality. Mm. You know, we measure heart rate, we measure oxygen levels, we measure pain, we measure blood pressure, but we don't measure vitality. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I feel like it's, yeah, the difference the real difference isn't like necessarily how it's practiced or the, how medicine is used, but it really goes down to the core of the philosophies in which both of these systems are built on. And mm. so in, in Chinese medicine, you know, you have your Buddhist and Taoist influences where there's this like animistic, vitalistic approach and view of the world you know where everything is seen as equal where like mm. I am as divine as this rock or like <laughs> this mountain <laughs> is as like yeah this mountain is like alive just as live as I am mm. whereas in yeah in western healthcare you know it's it's quite mechanistic and reductionistic in the ter- in the way that you know the body is a machine and everything's just a series of chemical reactions and um yeah, which is amazing in a way because we managed to really fine-tune and pinpoint things. Mm. But sometimes with the pinpointing accuracy, we, yeah, we cut off our macro vision of the problem. Um, yeah, and I'm not really saying that, you know, my journey has been like, Oh, like Western healthcare is just a mess. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm rejecting it. And it's not that at all. Like I think what I've come to realize now that is we really, really need both. We -hmm. really need both in order to be holistic and we need uh, an acceptance and a merging and an integration of both. Mm -hmm. And that's just, yeah, that's what I dream of in for the future is not necessarily like East versus West, but East and West together um yeah it's been a yeah really cool and interesting journey to get to this point but yeah I don't think it's a yeah rejection of either or Mm. choosing one or the other I think it's really needed it needs to be both Mm. Um, yeah
1: yeah it's taking that um Like what I hear and what you've just shared is really taking that holistic approach Mm -hmm. to health and to well-being um, and that the way you articulated it just then of that integration, you know, that integration of. knowledge that you've got and your culture and your heritage but also everything you've learned from growing up in Australia and the path that you took based on your conditioning and then the unconditioning it's like now coming to a place of full integration and then seeing that for the future not only for yourself but also uh, for others in the community Um, and I guess like you sort of touched on a little bit of how you're integrating it but I'd love to hear a little more on you know, what that integration for yourself currently looks like and how you're embodying
2: that. Mm, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, the integration, oh, my God, I'm going to be integrating for a really long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me it really started with just, like, doing my own ancestral healing and really understanding where my parents came from. So my mom grew up in China, like, basically in rural China on a farm, and where she migrated to Hong Kong when she was, Um, 13 and then my dad grew up in Hong Kong but Hong Kong itself was a was colonized by the British and so already it had such huge western influence and so Mm. you know I watched a movie the other day it was a Hong Kong movie that was set in the 80s and it just surprised me how much like they were wearing converse like you know there (laughs) there was just so many you know like I just for some reason in my head I always thought like Hong Kong in the 80s when my parents were my age would be just like, China, full on, like, China, Mm -hmm. Chinese China, Um, but, like, yeah, I was really surprised at how much Western influence was actually present there, and so, yeah, it's kind of been, yeah, the first part is really understanding where my parents grew, like, how my parents grew up, um, and yeah, there's always been this thread of Western influence. And so it's not just been necessarily started with me growing up in Australia, it started with them growing up in Hong Kong as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think looking at that and then also looking at my the spiritual practices of my family too. So um, I grew up Christian uh, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just so restrictive and I just, it was a Chinese Christian church as well. So I just felt so completely suppressed and stifled and it was really, yeah, really, really hard for me. Mm. And then, but I realized that my grandparents there, yeah, I found out recently that they were Buddhist and um, yeah, to me a whole lot of the integration has been looking at the spiritual practices that have been in my own lineage And yeah, kind of diving deeper into them and understanding the cultural context and understanding the history of these practices and where they come from. And yeah, it just, it's just been really beautiful because I think in Australia, when I first started on this spiritual journey or kind of seeking deeper um, answers I was looking outside of myself so much. Like I was looking at Indian practices, Egyptian practices, you know, different shamanic practices and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. And a big part of this integration is being like, oh, realizing that it's been here the whole time.
1: Mm. Like it was
2: always here and I didn't have to look outside of myself. I think it was just, yeah, I think we've just been conditioned to kind of think of, Almost like fetishize um, practices Mm -hmm. that are more exotic, quotation marks, um, Mm -hmm. or like more oriental than ours. And yeah, I think that's just, yeah, a big part of my unconditioning was to really examine that part of me and why I was looking at into different practices. But yeah, I think it's been really amazing, though, um, to really come, yeah, come full circle, and realized that it's been here the whole time and I really didn't have to look at it anywhere else. Uh, and yeah, it's been really empowering. It's been really um, it's been a sad journey too, because of, um, you know, there's the so many, like almost 30 years of just like not knowing this and like rejecting this just because of the way that um we were conditioned growing up. And um yeah, yeah I had a lot of grief and a lot of loss around it too. Um So, yeah, it hasn't been, it's been a really uncomfortable one. (laughs) That's a good word. It's uncomfortable just to look at, yeah, all of these things with the lens of integrity and with the lens of, like, how do I, yeah, what is right for me to practice and the ethics of these practices as well. And so, yeah, I think now I've been integrating it really by, building up a daily practice that makes me feel connected to my ancestors and my lineage. Mm. So lately it's been, yeah, meditation and Qigong. Um, Yeah, Qigong has just been so beautiful. Yeah, just because it just aligns with Reiki so beautifully as well. And, like, um, yeah, it's just this slow burn almost painful um, practice which cultivates your life force energy which cultivates your chi but it's you know because it's such a slow meditative process it is such like a contrast to the Mm -hmm. the way that we we're conditioned to in the west which is just like quick fixes you know instant dopamine hits and that's yeah where else this has just been like yeah such a painful (laughs) and like really slow dragged out process of like okay in order to cultivate my energy and in order to cultivate my own power I need to really do hard work and long patient work um Mm. into cultivating and building that up for myself Mm. is is that
0: the part of it that's sort of been the the hard painful part so because um I don't know too much about Qigong and um, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about sort of what the practice is. Um, is it like, is it like a physical pain or is it more just like the emotional and the, um, I guess like energetics and all like,
2: that side of it? It's more mental pain. Mental pain, yeah. <laughs> it's just mental pain. It's a mental game. Yeah. So Qigong mm. is like this, um, it's like a, I guess like a branch of martial arts where you use movement and breath slow Mm. movement and breath to cultivate your um energy and your life force in your dantian which is in your lower belly in Mm. Japanese it's your Hara center and this is like the seat of all your life force energy this is where it's all stored and so all of the practices it's just like slow big repetitive movements and um yeah and it's just it's just so slow and it's just so (laughs) it takes so much time and um, patience and you know for someone who grew up in Sydney you know life is just so quick and fast-paced all the time and I Mm. love it like that I love it so much I love like action and adventure and like spontaneity and stuff but this is just yeah to have this rigidity of discipline Mm. has just been yeah a big medicine for me yeah I was
0: gonna say it would just be massively testing discipline wouldn't it like how dedicated are you to this to continue on through the discomfort and you know the patience of just like going through the process Um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah
2: Yeah. but it's really beautiful because you know not often are we given the opportunity to really slow down and to be present and to really observe and witness the beauty in every single moment and to me that's a very it's like the core fundamental of like Taoist practices as well Mm -hmm. which is just this like this beauty in like a single drop of Mm -hmm. water or Mm -hmm. like it's you know it's like the life that's like moving through the blades of grass when the wind blows or it's like the sun rays shining up your arm hairs and yeah yeah it's just this really poetic like vitalistic animistic Mm. view of life that's just like yeah it's so beautiful Mm. beautiful.
0: yeah so I was gonna say you're like hardcore speaking my language like just the poeticness (laughs) Like, you know, for me and my photography background, that's what just gets me just like so completely humbled to just this place that I can't even describe is that feeling when you actually slow down and you see the just like unbelievable beauty of everything that's around you. I just like, words can't even explain that feeling, you know. And so the fact that you've been able to develop this practice and and, and get back in touch with this practice as well that's like so core to you and your history is, uh, I just, yeah, I just think it's so magical. And I think the contrast, like you say, of the Western and the Eastern, the speed of the Western um, way of healing, I suppose, as well, everything has to be done so quick because we've got all these things to do. And I think that in that space, we so often yeah, you know, that saying like, we don't stop to smell the roses or whatever it is. It's like actually slowing down to really appreciate what's around us. And in my view, I feel like even just that action in itself is so healing because it really just, yeah, I I don't even know how to explain it. It just like connects you to that feeling where you're just I suppose, connected to nature, connected to what is. Um, and it's just, yeah, that like sort of profound feeling, um, in mm. in my opinion anyway, that's sort of how I experience. Yeah, photography, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, <for> sure. <laughs> slight, slight tangent there, but I just, yeah. I just felt so compelled by your descriptions of the beauty and like the slowing down. I just, like it really yeah touched my core that
2: one (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm glad yeah it's it's yeah yeah. I feel like it's like something that needs to be experienced for Mm. sure and Mm. I think like early on with my um journey and seeking answers you know I swung to the other end of the spectrum where I was like I need to have a kundalini awakening (laughs) 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 or like you you know what I mean like
1: (laughs) I yeah, mean, well, that's is- what I was going to touch on before, right? It's like, yeah, your journey when you sort of were starting to seek answers. It was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to book myself into a Reiki course, and it's going to be done in like a weekend, and then I'm going to start this thing, and it's going to change my life. And yeah, you know, it can be that um that band aid, or like, you know, when we when we've got that um, energy that's moving us towards wanting to to shift out of the paradigm we're in or there's this piece that feels like there's a disconnect or something's missing or we don't quite be, we can't put the words to it, right? It's like, okay, well, I'll go seek it in something that feels that it might have the answer. And if I can do that in a weekend, amazing. Um, And then to hear how you've you've moved through that and I, I deeply resonate because I've... You know there's a lot of similarities in the journey that I've also been on you know witnessing you I'm like yeah I feel that I feel that um <laughs> because that's where I started I was like yeah I'll do my Reiki level one that'll <laughs> that'll fix everything right um and to hear you coming back and connecting into your roots um not only as the unique human being that you are and coming back to that like inner knowing but also looking at your ancestors and the history that's come before you and to really slow down into this now practice that is uncomfortable and challenging and you don't necessarily go to a class on the weekend or you know jump onto a zoom call and be like oh this teacher is going to tell me exactly what to do and you know all my problems are going to dissolve it's it's you cultivating it within yourself and um yeah, the the reflective piece in that for me, I remember sitting in circle recently and someone was sharing a Native American practice and my thought process was like, oh, this would be cool to learn. And then my intuition sparked and told me, yes, it's beautiful to observe and receive this from someone that is from that lineage, but it's not mine and it really called me back into, okay, where have I come from? What do my ancestors tell me? What's in my lineage that I can bring into my present to support me right now and reconnect into my intuition rather than seeking outward? Um, Mm. so that really beautiful, like hearing your, your journey is that, that shift from seeking outward and reaching for something Mm -hmm. and then turning it back inward and saying, actually everything exists within me and Mm. I can just actually turn back and look at Mm. my family. And there's so, it's like this wealth of wisdom and, and knowledge that you can draw from to weave into the present.
2: Totally. Yeah, for sure. I remember maybe a year ago, I was listening to this plant medicine summit online and there was this herbalist from the UK and she said something that like changed so much for me. But what she said was that there is no need to culturally appropriate because in every single culture, in every single lineage, there are spiritual practices there And when we look at our own lineage and our own culture, not only can we utilize those practices, but we also heal ancestral trauma as well. And we really, you know, I understand sometimes it's really uncomfortable. You know, sometimes um, our lineages, there's a lot of guilt and shame there. But, you know, I feel like if we really look into those and really ask ourselves, like, how do we, break these cycles then yeah I think we can just do um, incredible things incredible things and I see our future looking a really different way if we start asking those kinds of questions and looking within our own lineages and within our own histories our family histories um yeah too we could break those cycles mm-hmm.
1: for sure 100 percent and yes it is very mm-hmm. uncomfortable up- <laughs> totally experience. It's deeply uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. The
1: sure. the waves of shame and the guilt and the repression and the intergenerational racism, and there's mm-hmm. so many layers. Um, depending on what each person's journey is, that I'm obviously speaking from my own experience. Totally, um, yeah. But yeah, I think something that's coming to mind as, as I hear you share that is um, this piece of like looking at the wellness industry as a whole and, and how so much of the wellness industry has been colonized and it has been whitewashed. Um, and I know we've had discussions about this and um, yeah, I'm just sort of curious Uh, well I'm also curious because I've heard you share on it before but I would love for you to share with whoever's listening a little bit about um, what some of the challenges of you know stepping into the wellness space given the current state of what it what exists at the moment have been um, and how you've sort of managed that through
2: throughout your journey. Mm. Yeah I think Oh, it's a spicy question. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most yeah challenging thing is seeing people take practices completely out of its cultural context mm. and then not doing the work to learn and embody and to really understand the cultural context from which those practices come from.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, yeah i think like with reiki for example right um it has been it's so huge in the west you know like every second healer is a reiki practitioner as well and it's been um yeah it's really common and part of my work as a reiki practitioner is breaking people's expectations (laughs) of what reiki is because they've just heard so many different things about it you know except they're I'm still yet to find a Reiki practitioner in Australia who really, really honors the Japanese roots of the practice. Mm, um, that's interesting. And yeah. And what we've seen with Reiki is that there's been the integration of different systems within it. So, you know, a lot of practitioners will integrate the Hindu chakra system within the practice, or they'll use um, native American like smudging practices with um, with it as well. And, you know, I think it's one, it's definitely, I'm not saying there's like a right or wrong. I'm saying that if you are going to combine practices, then maybe it's best not to say that it is Reiki because obviously mm-hmm. you might be operating from a more intuitive place, which is beautiful. You know, when healers connect with their intuition, I think magical things can happen as well. Um. But yeah, there's just very rarely do I see this recognition and embodiment of the cultural practices and the context from which it comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think when we remove something from, it's, it can be really dangerous when we remove something from its context and we strip it of that culture because then it just perpetuates this cycle of it being taken out of context, it being warped and changed and transformed so far off its original state and i think that's when it can become really like what's the word i want to i want to say dangerous but like
1: Uh, yeah it can be dangerous it can yeah yeah it's like when you said before you're like can I just have a kundalini awakening like yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly if you don't have a full understanding of what that means and what that can do it's you know Like if you if if in in the an unsupported context you activate that energy within you it can actually send you into a psychosis it can, mm-hmm. it can activate yeah. mental mental health issues rather than it being yeah. within the realm of um, consciously connecting to our spirituality it can activate something else and if practitioners and individuals aren't honoring the lineage that these these energies and these practices are coming from it can it can actually be dangerous so i like i'm okay with you using that word <laughs> i agree yeah, for
2: sure yeah 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 absolutely and i think yeah another sort of thing that i find really difficult to see as well is like blending of different practices yeah this like taking of different snippets from different cultures and things and then like combining it all together into something that might not necessarily is has a foundation of like integrity or safety or um, like I guess in an ethical way too so yeah it's just it's tricky it's really tricky and I think it's really easy to be carried away by like oh if it's if it's in wellness it must be good for me you know or if it's um if it's spiritual it must be good for me and I think that's yeah we're really really easy to kind of get swept away by but I think yeah as practitioners um, we really have to be asking ourselves those really difficult questions and really examining ourselves and our practices and asking ourselves questions like who is this practice from where is mm. this practice from what like in what way am I going to be practising it or how how should I be practising it? Or even, um, yeah, or even, like, just really getting clear and re- really redefining, like, who is wellness for? Wow. Does wellness sort of... Does this wellness industry sort of leave people out of it? Because mm. I think if it leaves people out, then it's not wellness. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. yeah, those are just really difficult questions and really uncomfortable ones that I'm still I'm still right in the middle of it and I'm still like yeah still learning and still um, asking a lot of these questions and finding out the answers for myself but yeah I think it's just important yeah especially in the wellness world Mm.
0: yeah I I think it's really admirable what you're doing and the the depths that you're leaning into uh, to really get to the root of these practices i think i personally feel like there is just so much wisdom in going back in time to more um yeah more ancient um people i guess like for me i like to read a lot of books that were written a long time ago because i think they you know it's like stood the test of time and that information if it's still relevant now then clearly like they were onto something and i think that it's yeah it's it's really interesting um i think what you touched on with like initially how you were just like oh like i can learn reiki in a weekend like yay that's so great and then now you have changed your view and you're just like actually There's so much more to it and I I feel as though in the space of health and wellness, it is a fine line between actually creating health and um, improvement versus actually, you know, kind of going the other way and actually making someone's health worse. For example, I guess in, say, Western medicine, there's a lot of sort of... um, medication, prescription medication, and I think that quite often that doesn't necessarily get to the bottom of it or the root of it and it doesn't always solve it and sometimes creates other problems. So I think, yeah, it's just really fantastic to hear how you are going back to the very beginning, so to speak, and, um, yeah, do do you find that through this that you're learning Have you started to like already integrate some of these understandings into what you're doing or are you kind of really wanting to continue that understanding to really develop that knowledge
2: before doing so? Hmm, I think I'm still, I think I'm learning with the Hmm. mindset of how do we integrate both worlds slash all the worlds together. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, like at the moment I'm studying naturopathy and yeah, it's been really interesting to learn all of that and learn that mindset alongside working as a nurse mm-hmm. and in the hospital system and in healthcare. And yeah, I think it's just tricky. I think mm-hmm. it's just like, like everything I'm learning in naturopathy, I'm thinking if we can integrate it into the healthcare system or like how can this be all done together in the future? But to be honest, I don't know if I can see it integrating with the healthcare system. I think that a whole new system needs to be created (laughs) in a way, you know? Um, Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's... Oh, these are all such big questions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, Yeah, I think I I dream of like a future in healthcare Mm. where we look at traditional medicine and we look at the medicines of cultures that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. But then we do research on those practices and we apply technology and we apply um, science and chemistry and biochemistry into onto that, that ancient knowledge and those ancient practices. And then we integrate it into that future of healthcare. But yeah, I think we're a long way to go until until that happens. But I can, I feel like I see the shift in people's thinking. And I can see, I see and hear people doing amazing things. And I, you know, I'm just starting a new course at the moment in energy work, and there's a lot of nurses in the course which is just amazing to see. Yeah, Yeah, amazing to see. And so, yeah, I think we're definitely, that's definitely something that will happen. Um, It's just that how it looks, I have no idea (laughs) because we're still in the process of, yeah, shifting from this old paradigm to the new. And it's, yeah, it's just really exciting to kind of be in the middle of it.
0: I bet. Well, another question that I would actually just love to kind of dive into and touch upon um is the transition of you know going from nursing into Reiki and the transition of working for someone else to working for yourself what has that been like and how are you finding
2: working for yourself Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so I think yeah with with something such as nursing there it is heavily regulated and of course it's regulated for our safety and for a reason for a very specific reason but it just means that you know the system in which it's set up in and it's just just very it's quite rigid and it's quite set in stone and anything other than the norm is disregarded as just sorcery or something (laughs) and so (laughs) You know, it's just it's rejected quite hard. Um, mm. And, yeah, I find that that's really difficult to work in. And I think, yeah, I think what I why what made me start wanting to work for myself is that I think research is evolving faster than the state that the system is evolving at. And mm. so, yeah, I think, you know, there's so many gaps and things that that are going to take the next 20 years or something to fill. You know, it's just taking mm so long. Um and so I think yeah I realized that for myself anyway. Um yeah working for someone else where the rules can change and just overnight Mm. and conditions can change and that some in some ways sometimes the rules and regulations are I find are quite contradictory to the integrity um and the principles on which nursing was based on that was just became yeah too too difficult and something that i couldn't sacrifice anymore and so yeah as i kind of like slowly step away from nursing into building my own practice as a future naturopath or as a reiki practitioner um yeah, it's been it's been hard because I my whole life I've always worked for other people's or I've always had jobs. Mm. Um and yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was I said that the hardest part is just ging yourself up every day. <laughs> yeah, like, yep. just yeah, like just oh, yeah.
0: hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah,
2: just really just having no one well having kind of if you're when you're in your office all day you only have yourself basically and mm-hmm. so just this yeah just finding this courage and this like determination and this focus to just continuously mm-hmm. do your own thing and like work on your own business and all of that it's it's really hard but it's it's really rewarding because you can see how much you've done yeah. you like wow I did all that like I <laughs> achieved all that which is amazing as well but yeah. It's just, it's a whole nother ball game. <laughs> working yeah. for yourself and starting your own business. And mm. yeah, I think I'm yeah still in the early stages of developing my business. Um, and I'm still just testing the waters and I'm like dipping my toe in like little different like methods and ways and, um, but it's been really, it's been really beautiful. And I think one thing that, yeah, you both have really taught me as well is to really be embodied in your business too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, that's such a beautiful starting point because whenever I make decisions or whenever I'm trying to figure something out, I check in with, yeah, how that feels in my body. And oftentimes that will tell me the answer. And it's like, yeah, I think it's just like rewiring that part of me instead of like, yeah, seeking answers outside of, outside of yourself, which is sometimes necessary because you need guidance and you need support. Everyone does. But it's just, yeah, it's like a whole different thing to be like, okay, how do I run this business intuitively? How do I make it so that it's you know, reciprocal and like it benefits as many people as it can. Um, yeah, and it's just it's been really cool. It's been really amazing.
1: So good. so so <laughs> good. You're doing so many extraordinary things and just the way that you, yeah, you hold yourself with such grace, even through all the. The challenge and the discomfort is super beautiful, super, super beautiful. And so what would you say is one of the most extraordinary things you've ever done in life or business?
2: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We do keep coming at you with the big questions. (laughs)
2: I honestly think, like, surviving as an emergency nurse for so long.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I yeah, can believe just,
0: that for sure.
2: Yeah, just, like, shift work, night shifts, just not knowing what's going to walk through the door. You go on to every shift, literally You can't have any expectations. You can't plan your day because your day is just going to go in any which direction that it well pleases. Mm. Mm. (laughs) And I think, yeah, it was just a huge learning lesson because I love control and I love order and I love Mm. being organized and tidy. Um, Yeah, I love doing things like that. And I think to be thrown in the deep end and just to be like, just given whatever the day brings, literally no control over how any of it goes I think that was the biggest lesson that I had to overcome and like I'm really glad I did it um because I was actually going to go my first preference was ICU which is beautiful nursing one-on-one nursing everything's tidy everything's organized you've got all your lines and drains and Mm. fluids and stuff like all perfectly (laughs) not like labeled and tidy and ordered and then you go and then I was actually given emergency instead and so (laughs) Like one big cosmic joke of just being like, this is what you wanted, you did the opposite in order to learn the most lessons. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest and hardest thing I've I've ever had to do. And yeah, I think I'm so grateful because, you know, through that I saw so much disease. I saw so much trauma. I saw a lot of death as well. And it taught Mm -hmm. me the biggest things. It taught me like the biggest life lessons that I've ever had to learn. And I had to grow up really quickly, actually, yeah, because it was in my early, started there in my early, early 20s. And so, yeah, I had to really figure out my worldview and my values and my perceptions really quickly in order to survive in that kind of environment. Hmm. And so, yeah, I had to figure out what death meant to me at a really early age because I was watching people pass away and, Yeah, that taught me as well. Like it literally, I saw in front of my eyes this concept of vitality because Mm. there is one moment where a person is still alive and they have this energy and they have this life within them. And then the next second, it's not there anymore. Mm. And just to witness that difference was just so shifting and so Mm. powerful. And just so I'm so grateful for all the souls that taught me that lesson Mm. and to be able to hold space for that. That transition in life, yeah, it's just yeah, things like that that teach you so so much, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, definitely like the biggest, hardest thing I've ever done, but like the best,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. I just was thinking as you were sharing that as well, like, do you because you, you you just shared about um, sort of you know, the shifts and how you like control and how it's a very non controlled sort of space, anything can happen. How do you, and and how many years was it that you did that for? Uh, Around five years. Five years. How do you feel that that, like, do you feel like that impacted your nervous system? Because, like, I know for me, like, being in, like, chaotic environments is just like, (laughs) I just can't handle it, you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just wonder, like, do you you think that sort of, uh, I guess, impacted your nervous system at all? Or did you have practices where you um,
2: cared to that? you know yeah oh for sure like it impacts your body like unbelievably yeah Yeah. to be kind of that stressed and that's such high intense situations but then also to do night shift and then also to do shift work where you don't have a routine and your body doesn't really have time to settle and you're doing like you're finishing work at 11 you have to be back at work at 7 a.m all of that really takes a toll and it did manifest in me physically too like I developed an autoimmune um, condition Mm. and Yeah. And that's, that's really when I started like shifting away from nursing because, you know, I was helping people, but at what cost? And if I don't look after myself, then how can I really help people? Mm. Um, And yeah, I think it definitely takes a toll on its nervous system and you really, really have to be aware of what is yours and what isn't. Um, Say for an example, like when I first started working triage, so triage nurse is the nurse that you see when you first come into emergency and their job is to just do a five minute maximum um, assessment and give you a category based on the severity of like how sick you are and pete that is the most you're seeing people are one after the other and they're coming in vomiting bleeding shitting themselves um completely (laughs) sick completely distressed complete like having a panic attack and from like it was in that role where i learned how to yeah, be aware of energies and how they would influence, affect and influence me oh. and really be sort of have like a filter there so that because if I took on what they were feeling and I took on their energy, then I would be affected and I would it would affect my decision-making and it would affect my clarity and it will affect my ability to be able to categorize people in the right way or like, you know, in order to run... The department smoothly and that sort of thing and so yeah I first became aware of like this energetic exchange when I was working that role mm-hmm. um, because it's such high intense one after the other like just this streamline of um, people in very very different emotional heightened heightened emotional states mm-hmm. and so yeah that really taught me like yeah how to boundaries I guess but also yeah really taking care of your own system so that you are okay and um, you can look after them in the best way that you can. And I found that over time, you know, people would come in in such a heightened state, but I was able to kind of bring them back down to a state that where they felt safe and that they felt like, okay, everything's going to be fine or everything's like kind of under control mm-hmm. <laughs> in a certain in a way. Yeah, and so it was just interesting to observe that exchange um, in such like a short time frame. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, I think just how you talk to people makes such a huge difference, you know, like if you're really present with someone and you're really listening to their what they're going through and you really are empathetic to that and you show them compassion, then already such simple things, but already mm-hmm. you can do so much for someone else. So yeah, big, big learning lesson as well.
1: <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk to you for hours. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, definitely. How long time do we all have? Um, we have. <laughs> 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 um thank you. Everything you've shared has just been absolutely incredible. And before we wrap up today. We have our final segment, which we call Honey Time, which is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) Uh, Where we'll be asking you five questions for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. So (laughs) let's dive on in. Cool. Are you ready? I am. (laughs) Yes.
0: What is something most people don't know about you?
2: Oh, that. I don't know I think most people don't know this but yeah I trained in like hip-hop dance for like 10 years (laughs) and yeah (laughs) danced in like crews and like competed in competitions overseas and stuff so yeah like I trained hardcore in dance for a really long time and I think yeah that's something that's a bit yeah brings a lot of um yes different (laughs) like perspective and experience into like being a Reiki practitioner (laughs) very contrasting
1: and you can even YouTube Jen oh god (laughs) I do it I encourage (laughs) I need to do this actually I haven't done
0: this (laughs) I'll do it as soon as we finish recording
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's not stalking if you tell the person you're doing it right (laughs) so good and you're actually an incredible dancer um Okay. So what is the most life-changing book that you've ever read?
2: Women Who Run With The Wolves. Yeah. That was, that's amazing. That's a really beautiful book. Yeah.
0: I've heard it. Have you read it, Liv?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, I know it's in the other room because Taylor and I picked up a copy recently, so I feel like I should get on it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah.
0: I love Mm. a good book recommendation. Have your (laughs) life
1: changed too. Mm, Yeah.
0: mm. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? My favorite question.
2: (laughs) Dark chocolate and peanut butter.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Like dipping a a block
2: into like peanut butter and eating it like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the dark (laughs) chocolate is the spoon. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Basically. So it's like a Hershey's kiss, but like better, but like more, more whole whole foods and like healthier process and less sugar. (laughs) you know all the good stuff so <laughs>
1: yeah good. yum Uh what have you most recently watched
2: so yeah the other the movie that I was speaking about the other night is by this Hong Kong director called Wong Kar Wai mm. and a lot he just does the most beautiful films and they're all um set in Hong Kong with like incredible Chinese actors and um yeah that I've been obsessed with his work recently just because I'm like oh it's just such a great way of me to experience and look at Hong Kong in the way that my parents did when they were my age so Mm. yeah it's been beautiful and they're just beautiful films as well like really amazing really like they're very like cult classic-y so as well Mm. so if anyone's yeah interested they're, they're beautiful
0: that's cool sounds like something I would enjoy watching actually to mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah. um okay I think we've definitely like touched on it throughout this conversation but let's say in one sentence if you can <laughs> what <laughs> does healing mean to you
2: mm, healing means yeah returning to nature yeah mm. returning to nature so it's not it's not going to nature it's not It's not seeking out nature, it's coming back to the true essence and our natural state and the remembering, like the way that nature manifests in us and is reflected within us. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Nature is my God. I work (laughs) with nature. It's like
0: all the answers in in nature.
2: For sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful just the beauty of it it's just yes something else
0: yeah yeah well that was like such a wonderful conversation it's been such a joy having you on the podcast um mm-hmm. and well we will see you in the hive won't we
2: yeah, yeah for thanks sure you thank so you both much. that was beautiful <laughs> thanks for asking such beautiful questions and like not being afraid to go in deep with it <laughs> yeah. deep into live, like live uncomfortable spicy, uncharted yeah. territories yeah yeah which is like you know I think it's so important as we move forward
0: yeah yeah, yeah
1: totally. I need here for it just based on the <laughs> conversations we've had and just the way that you know witnessing you navigate the world I'm like yes I can ask the <laughs> I can ask the things that I'm like obsessed with and that I'm navigating too so I really appreciate you yeah leaning in with us today and just sharing from your experience it's been amazing
2: for sure thank you yeah and if anyone listening wants to continue this conversation I'm always open to having this conversation as well because I think yeah it's something that I'm still learning and I'm really really humbly having humbly having my butt kicked so (laughs) (laughs) like yeah, yeah always open to talking about it and learning more
1: i feel like it's a club i'm like yeah a club i'm like yeah i'm getting my butt kicked on the reg
2: 100 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. oh thanks guys
0: thank you so much Thanks for listening to show me the honey if you enjoyed this episode leave us a review and subscribe so you can be notified about our latest episodes and until next time keep it sweet show me the
2: honey you got for me show me